Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Alpine Church. My name is Scott Krebs. I'm a teaching pastor here at Alpine, and I'm so glad to be with you here today. Uh, if you're a guest, this is your first time at Alpine Church, we want to wish you a special welcome, and maybe you're not pl- you weren't planning on it, but we'd love for you to come back uh, for that Discover Alpine at noon today and get a free lunch and hear a little bit more about our church, and uh, you can have any questions you have answered. At least we'll do our best to answer them. And uh, so, again, it's just glad to see you all here today. Today, I get to wrap up the series that we started the first Sunday in January on grace, our series Help Wanted. We've been talking about the grace that we need from God, the help that we need from God. And grace is a word that we sing all the time. I noticed, I think, I didn't really pay attention to that last song, but at least the first two had the word grace up here, and uh, maybe in that last one too. And grace is one of those words that we encounter all the time at church. We sing all the time, but we don't really maybe fully understand, and so that's why we've, we've spent four Sundays studying what the Bible has to say about grace. And today we're going to look at one aspect of grace, one last aspect, uncommon grace. Now, I've got some really bad news for you to start with. Uh, And the really bad news is something that I'm guessing that a lot of you are aware of, but the bad news is that many people don't like Christians. I hope you're aware of that. I hope you're aware of that. I know. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, there are many people who don't like Christians. If you do a Google search on Christians, Christians are, you will find all kinds of things like Christians are judgmental, they're critical, they're self-righteous. Christians are hypocritical, they're hypocrites, they say one thing and they act another way. Christians are hateful, they don't like people who think differently than them or live differently with them. These are common criticisms that are out there about Christians, that Christians are intolerant and closed-minded. In fact, there was a study just done last year on uh, American beliefs about Christians, specifically evangelical Christians, and according to that study, 25% of Americans have a somewhat negative view of evangelical Christians. Those are Christians who believe in the Bible and the deity of Christ. And uh, according to that study, uh, they asked people, why do you have, of the people who had a negative view of Christians, why do you have a negative view of Christians? And according to those people, 67% said that Christians are too pushy with their beliefs, 61% said they're hypocritical, 50% said that Christians are homophobic, another 50% said that Christians' beliefs are outdated, 41% said that Christians are too conservative politically, 39% believe that Christians are racist, and 30% believe that Christians are misogynistic. Now, that's pretty bad PR for the Christian church, right? It's pretty bad PR. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, didn't Jesus say, blessed are you when people speak badly about you and insult you and exclude you and mistreat you? And he did say that. Uh, But before we just say, well, you know, we're just living godly lives and people don't like that and insult us, before we go to that point, I think there are some valid criticisms in some some of those statements about Christians that sometimes, as Christians, we can be hypocritical, we can be um, judgmental, we can be self-righteous, we can be intolerant even. And that is such a shame because Christianity is all about grace, right? It's all about grace. Grace, the simple definition of grace is that God helps us. That's my favorite short definition. If, If you really struggle to remember what is grace, grace is God helps. When you need help, God helps you. That is God's grace. And we all need God's grace 
And the Bible's picture is that God's grace is poured into our lives, and we extend that grace to other people. One last time, though, let's look at the, the longer definition of grace, and here's what it says. Grace is the quality of God's character, so that means that grace is something that is part of God's character. It's one of His attributes. We talk about the attributes of God, and God has certain attributes, like He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He is everywhere, He is all-loving, and He is all-grace. God is gracious. That is part of who He is, the very substance fabric of who He is. His character is grace. So, grace is a quality of God by which He helps us. Again, that, what is grace? God helping us. We need help. God helps us. And He blesses us. He blesses us with good gifts. That means, you know, that when God looks at you and God thinks about you, when God acts in your life, He is primarily looking to bless you, to, to be on your side. He's not looking to, to get you or to squash you or to, you know, he's not, he's, his, his preference is not to bring judgment into your life, but it's to bless you with good gifts without requiring anything in return. That means that God gives us His grace even though we don't deserve it. God gives us His grace outside of anything we've merited or anything that we deserve. It is all God helping us out of His sheer mercy. So that's what God's grace is. Today what I want to talk about is that if you're here and you're a Christian, I want to talk about how we are supposed to treat other people who are not Christians. Last week we talked about how within the, the church, within the family of God, within our serving teams and small groups and you know, w within our interactions with one another, how we are supposed to treat each other with grace. Before that, we looked at how we need grace to start a relationship with God and how grace sustains us throughout our lives as followers of Jesus. Today, I want to talk about how God wants us to use the grace He's given us to go and help other people outside the walls of this church. And so, um, what we want to see today is how grace changes the way we treat others and talk to other people. You know, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, and maybe when I was reading that list of some of the criticisms of Christians, you're like, I, yeah, I agree with some of those. And you know, I have to say, I agree with some of those too. I've seen, I've seen, I've probably seen all of those at some point manifested by people who at least call themselves Christians. And that's a shame. And so today we want to see how God's grace transforms how we act and how we think and how we talk to one another inside and outside this room. So just a couple things, only two big points for today. The first is this, speak with grace to those who don't know God. Speak with grace to those who don't know God. You know, many of the criticisms that are leveled at Christians have to do with our words and how we use our words. And God's Word instructs us how we are to use our words with people who aren't yet Christians. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says it this way, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, before we even dig into that verse, those verses, look at what it says there. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. If, if Christians, if followers of Jesus made it their mission to make sure that all of our words were gracious and attractive, I think we wouldn't have a lot of those problems that we just listed, right? <laughs> if we said, you know, I want to, I how, how, how helpful can I be with my words? If that was our goal, if that was our aim, indeed what God commands us and how He commands us to speak, if that was our aim, that was our goal, it would change the way the world views us, I think, in many ways. But let's dig a little deeper into this, because this is a really interesting passage here. 
Verse 5 says to live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely. Now, to, to live wisely means that you're aware of two things. You're aware of who God is. You're, aw- you're aware of God's will. You're aware that God exists and, and He loves you and He's on your side and He's got a plan for your life. And, and you're aware of all that. That is, that is part of what it means to live wisely, that you understand who God is. And the other part is that you honor God. You say, I want to honor God with my life. I want to please God. And so, the Bible says to live wisely towards people who are not believers. So, it's not talking about our relationships within the church, but He's talking about our relationships with people in our neighborhood, family members, coworkers, people at school, you know, friends, anybody that we interact with who's not yet a follower of Jesus. Live wisely. So, in our interactions with them, we are supposed to, you know, Think about who God is and what does He want out of this interaction. And then it says, make the most of every opportunity. In your conversations with people who are not Christians, make the most of every opportunity. Now, what's really interesting here is the words that are used here um, are words that come from from the marketplace. So, the New Testament, the book of Colossians, all of the New Testament was written in Greek, right? Jesus and his disciples, they probably spoke Aramaic and Greek, but the whole New Testament's written in Greek. And the word here that we translate, make the most of every opportunity, is the word buy up. Buy up. And the idea here is that God says, buy up all of the time that he has given you. That's why we translate it, make the most of it. Because time is valuable, right? What's more valuable than time? It's the only thing that you can't get more of, right? Once it's spent, it's spent. You can't get it back. And so God says, just like it's some sort of product that you could make a profit of, uh, off of, buy up all the time that you have, all the opportunities you have to, to talk to other people about Jesus and to share the love of God with one another. Take, all, uh, take up all those opportunities. Don't try not to blow any of them. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, let your conversation be gracious. Let your conversation be gracious. Now, what that's saying is... Um, that we need to go into conversation saying, how can I help this person? How can I bless them? How can I show them God's love? If the definition of grace is God helps us, well, how can we be gracious to other people? We can help them, right? We can bless them. Go into conversation saying, how can I bless other people? How can I speak to other people in a way that helps them? And then the Bible says that our words are supposed to be attractive. Our words are supposed to be attractive. It doesn't say that we need to be attractive, thankfully. It says our words need to be attractive. Now, again, the wording there, and and this might be, if you have a different translation of the Bible, it might be in there, the word is actually salty. God says, let your words be salty. Now, some of you are like, I know salty language. That's That's not what he's talking about, all right? In the ancient word, world, to be salt, to be, the salt was a preservative. It preserved things, and it also flavored things. And so, what, what's God saying here? He's saying, you know, use your words in a way that makes Jesus, makes God, makes the gospel, makes the good news, the message of salvation, pleasing to everyone. That, that's how we're supposed to use our words. That's how we're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to add life and zest and be a preservative in society. We're supposed to add to the goodness overall in our world. And so, God says, live wisely, remember who He is, remember why you're here if you're a Christian, make the most of your time, buy up all those times, all those opportunities, 
You know, all those opportunities you have to talk to your neighbor and you're running late and, or, you know, the game's starting, you just want to get back inside, but no, you know, you're going to have the conversation and, and you're going to listen and you're going to say, God, how can I bless this person? How can I help them? How can I, can I just show them your love? What are you doing in their life? You're, you're thinking along those lines, make every opportunity, and then you're going to let your conversation be gracious, attractive, salty, right? So that, the Bible tells us here's why, so that you will have the right response for everyone. So you'll have the right response for everyone. I really appreciate the end of this verse because it doesn't say, you know, memorize your little Jesus spiel, your little Jesus script, and then just sort of vomit that out on everybody, you know. It doesn't say like, well, if you get that little opportunity to talk to your coworker, just like, you know, share that sort of rote memory of what you believe about Jesus. What it's saying is have the right response for everyone. When you're talking to a person, talk to them like they're a person. Try to sense what God's doing in their life. Try to sense their needs, their questions, where they are on their own journey, on their own pursuit of God, on their own path to, to God, and change your words accordingly. Adjust your words accordingly. You know, say, okay, God, what are you doing in their life? How can I, how can I help? How can I bless? How can I be gracious? That's how God wants us to talk to people who aren't Christians. And so, Think about you. Think about your life. Think about your interactions. Family members who make fun of Christianity. Uh, uh, people, maybe friends who just think it's silly that you come to church on Sunday. How, how did your religious conversations go? God calls us to live wisely, make every opportunity. Another verse that's similar to this is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. It says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, there's two parts of this verse. The second part is if someone asks you about Christianity, you should tell them about it. You should tell them about who Jesus is, but you should do so in a way that's gentle, in a way that's respectful. The first part about, of this verse, this passage, is really interesting to me. It says that if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, well, here's the thing. I've met a lot of Christians that when I talk to them and I look at them, I'm like, I don't see a lot of hope there. <laughs> I just mean like they don't put off this, like they don't exude this joy, they don't exude this hope, they don't exude this, I'm a child of God, right? We just saying that, I, I, you know, I am who you say I am, right? There's a lot of Christians that I meet throughout the week that they don't seem like that. They don't seem like they believe they're a child of God. They don't seem like they have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so I, I feel like a lot of times we don't let our hope out. <laughs> we don't let people know the hope that we have in God, the confidence that we have in God, the, the love that we've received through Jesus Christ. But here the Bible says that we should just be people that are so filled with the Holy Spirit, so filled with the love of God, that that just kind of comes out of us and people are like, hey, what's different about you? What's different? A couple of years ago I was having a conversation with someone here at Alpine. They were, they were a, an usher here at West Haven Campus, and they'd come to faith like 10 months ago, and he's like, people at work started to say, hey, what's different? What, did you change your diet? Did you like, did you like, are you, you know, what's going on? What's new? What's different? He's like, oh, well, I have a relationship with God, and they're like, did not see that coming. That was not the response they were looking for, but he had this hope, and people asked him about the hope, and so do people ask you about your hope, or are people like, I don't want any of his hope, <laughs> I don't want to, whatever he's got, whatever she's got, I don't want any of that. If that's, if that's you, then you're not, you're not letting the, the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ overwhelm you. And when they do ask you about your hope, right, you're supposed to, we're supposed to engage them with gentleness and respect. 
We're not supposed to attack them. We're not supposed to attack their religious beliefs. We're not supposed to attack their political beliefs if they're different than ours. We're supposed to point them to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not a wrestling match. Talking to people about Jesus is not a wrestling match where you're trying to slam each other, right? Instead, you're, all you're trying to do is say, hey, this is what God's done in my life. And, and then if the conversation goes forward, you can say, here's what he wants to do in your life. It's pretty simple. It's always a little scary, I'm not going to lie, but it's pretty simple. One of the things that I always try to do when I talk to people who aren't yet Christians, I try to do one of two things. I try to say something really positive about our church or something really positive about Jesus. That's if, if like it's just the initial conversation and it's just one of those that just comes up out of nowhere, I try to say something really positive about Jesus or really posi- positive about our church. And that's it. I don't try to I don't try to, like, give them all of the Bible in two minutes. I don't try to, like, you know, help them go full circle in 30 seconds or less or anything like that. I just want to say something positive about Jesus, something positive about our church. And then, depending on how they respond to that, maybe I'll give them a little bit more. But that's it. So, God wants us to use our words to be gracious, to help, to bless other people. One other thing that God wants us to do, treat people with grace even if they don't follow God. Here's the thing. What happens when somebody strikes out at you, right? When someone strikes out at you, what is your natural response? Strike back, right? Strike back. I got four kids. When one of my kids is struck, what is, what is going to happen? They're going to strike back, right? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to bop the other one. They're not going to go tell mom and dad. First, they'll hit back. Then they'll tell mom and dad, right? <laughs> but they got to get that, that, that revenge strike in first. And that's how we are as humans. When someone hurts us, insults us, demeans us, belittles us. What do we want to do? We want to get revenge. We want to get back at him. Jesus said, there's a better way to live. Matthew 5, 44 through 45, he tells us how to treat people who attack us, attack our values, attack our lifestyle, attack our ethics, attack Jesus. Jesus says this about those people, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now, if Jesus is known for saying anything, this is one of those few things He's known for, right? Maybe maybe even people who aren't religious, if they know some teachings of Jesus, they know He said, love your enemies, because that's a really positive message. But let's dig into what He was saying there. If you have your Bibles open, I don't have this on slides, but if you look around, verse 43 Jesus says, here's what people typically think in our world, think in, our, in, in his culture. What people thought was, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's what people thought. You should love your neighbor. You should love those around you, love those who are like you, love those in your community, love those who you see every day, but you should hate your enemy. That's what people thought. And Jesus goes, that might work in this world, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies. Love your neighbor, but also love your enemies. Love those people who are rude, who insult, who look down on you, who do you wrong, who injure you. Love those people. And he goes on and he says in verses 46 and 47, he talks about two groups of people. And he says, if you only love people who love you, what is that? <laughs> what, how hard is it to love people who love me? It's not very hard, okay? Let me just tell you. If you come up and you compliment me, it is so easy for me to love you back. It is just, it just flows, right? And Jesus says there's two groups that do that, tax collectors and pagans. They love people who love them. And Jesus says, first of all, he talks about tax collectors. 
Because in Jesus' days, tax collectors in the Jewish world were some of the most despised people. Now, I happen to love the tax collectors at Alpine Church that work for the IRS in Ogden. All right? I love you people, especially this time of year. Really love you. Just forget my address. Just, you know, don't, don't think about me this time of year. It's fine, you know. But no, I, but in Jesus' day, the reason, if you were a Jewish tax collector, the reason why that was a bad thing, that was a negative thing, is because if you were a tax collector in the Jewish world, you worked for the Romans, the Romans were the enemy, and so you were considered a traitor to your people if you worked for the Romans. And so Jesus says in his culture, one of the most despised people were tax collectors. They were kind of looked down on by everyone. But even they love people who love them. And, and, and Jesus says the pagans, people who come from all those other different Roman religions, the Gentiles, you know, they, they're kind to people who are kind to them. They're kind to their family. What, what good is that? Uh, not that it's wrong, but it's sort of like that doesn't really say anything about who you are and your character. But Jesus says, here's what will say something about you and your character. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And when you do that, what happens? You reveal that you are a child of God. You reveal that you are like your Father in heaven because here's something we may not consider about God. God loves everybody. God loves all people. Look what it says there. He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good. He gives His fog and His smog to the evil and the good in northern Utah, right? And He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. It's not like it's not like, you know, Christians have sunlight over their house, the non-Christians, clouds. Sunlight, clouds. I mean, that would be simple, perhaps, but that's not how God works. He gives everyone everything they need, regardless if they care about Him or not, regardless if they love Him or not, even if they don't believe in Him, even if they are hostile in their unbelief toward God, God still takes care of them, doesn't He? Still provides for them, still gives them friends and family and children and, and food and shelter and all, all the good things in life. Come on, the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust, because God loves all people. And of course, the, the highest demonstration of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The God looked at the whole world who had rejected Him, the whole world who was filled with sin, and He sent His Son to die on the cross for the whole world because of His love for the whole world. And that's how much God loves every person, that He would send His Son to die on their behalf to pay the penalty of their sins. And so, if you're a Christian, one of the reasons why we should have love for everyone is because when you do that, you follow in the footsteps of God Himself, who is the most insulted person of all time, is God, right? The most injured person of all time is God, and yet He still sends His love out. And so, Jesus says, in the same way, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, what does all this mean? Because a lot of the things that Christians are known for are for calling out the sins of other people. And, and what do we do with all that? How do we understand all that? I mean, clearly, the Bible says there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. We just did a whole series on the Ten Commandments not that long ago, right? And so the Bible says, here's, here's a list of things that are good. Here's a list of things that are bad. Like, murder is just bad. It's just wrong. It's evil. And it should be condemned as such, you know? They're, think of the Ten Commandments, stuff like that. So, so if we see that going on, what's our response? I think we need to think of this in two different ways. Let's be really quick right here because this could be a whole other message. But, but, you know, God calls us as Christians to speak out about the evils and the injustice in our society, the wrongs in our society. We should speak out and we should, we should call them what they are. We should call them like we see them, like God does. But it's not our job to call out individual sins and in people 
particularly who are not even Christians. It's not my job to be God in someone else's life, especially someone who doesn't even acknowledge God and hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ and doesn't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. It's not up to me to knock on my neighbor's door and be like, hey, you know, I heard what you said to your, uh, to your, your wife or your kids and just want you to know that's not right, that's not okay, here's a Bible verse. You know, that's not my role to play. There is someone who has a role to play like that in their life, and he's called the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 says this, Jesus is speaking, he says, and, we, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You see what it says there? It says that it's God's job to convict the world of its sin. That needs to happen. In order for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ, they have to be convicted of their sin. You have to understand that you're messed up, that you don't have it all together, that you're maybe not as bad as you possibly could be, but you certainly are not good enough for God, and you need Jesus to come into your life to rescue you and save you. You need to put your faith and trust in Him. But you can't, you can't convict anyone of their sin. You can't bring someone to their knees. You can't call them out. And, and there's a lot of reasons why you can't do that. One of the reasons that, which Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 when He's like, hey, how about before you start calling out other people's sins, you look at your own life. <laughs> you deal with your own junk. And then we can start talking about other people. But, but really, the biggest reason is just because we can't change the human heart. I can't change the human heart. You can't change the human heart. Only God can do that. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to come to somebody's life and convict them of sin and to convict them of judgment and all these things. All we can do, all we're called to do is to present the truth, present the gospel. Say, hey, God loves you. Not, here's all the reasons why you're wrong. <laughs> here's all the bad things that I've seen you do over the years. You need Jesus. What we're supposed to do is just say, hey, look, we're all broken. We're all messed up. You need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. We all do. And here's, here's how to receive him by faith. That's our message to people. And if we did that, I think people would find us a lot less self-righteous, a lot less hypocritical. Another passage is 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, it's my responsibility, it isn't rather, sorry, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, talking about people who aren't Christians, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sitting. God will judge those on the outside. Again, this kind of goes with what we talked about last week. We have a responsibility to one another, as we saw in Hebrews chapter 12, we have a responsibility to make sure that we don't stray from the grace of God. And so that just simply means, you know, we pray for one another, we care for one another, we love one another. Once, when I come to somebody and say, hey, I've messed up, I've sinned, you know, we, that person's going to pray for me, going to help me. That's, that's what that really means, mainly. But look what it says there. It's not our responsibility to go out and, and go to people who are, out, you know, who are, reject, are rejecting God and condemn them for their actions. Our job is to present the gospel present the good news, present that hope. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus doesn't say, let your, you know, your self-righteousness or your, you know, make sure that you just tell everyone how much they've messed up and how much they've screwed up, and, and that will bring praise on your heavenly Father. He says, let your good deeds shine before everyone so they will praise your heavenly Father. This is sort of like what we talked about in 1 Peter when it says, when people see the hope that is inside of you, they will say, hey, where'd that come from? Where's that change? Where'd that come from? Where'd that new you come from? You say, it comes from God. In the same way, when people see you doing good deeds, they'll say, hey, 
what's that all about? Why are you doing that? And that'll point people to Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful at Alpine Church, even the spirit of that video, that transitions video, I just loved how they talked about, you know, how they can, how they, how they invite people and how they share with one another. And I think, man, what a beautiful picture. And I'm so thankful because there's so many people at Alpine that are like that. And, and we're very welcoming and invitational church, and let's keep doing that. And let's just check our own hearts and just say, you know, am I, what am I doing? Am I trying to be the Holy Spirit and convict people of sin and try to show them where they're wrong? Or am I trying to just present them God's love in Jesus Christ? Am I presenting them God's grace? I'm going to let God deal with them. Because that's what he wants. And then, as you think about other people, as you think about outsiders, am I, am I making sure that my actions are pointing people to God? You know, my, my part of stuff that when we do it, it's going to give God the glory, stuff like Missions Week, right? One of the gr- big reasons we do Missions Week is so that our community around us will see the, the good deeds that we're doing and they'll say, wow, those Christians really care about the poor. Those Christians really care about kids in the foster community. Wow, those Christians really care about you know, whatever ministry that we're partnering with. And you can be involved in that, not just during Missions Week, but throughout the year, and there's a lot of good ways to get involved. We have some here at church. We have our mobile pantry. We have our our ESL classes that are starting this week, which is why the meeting already happened. But we still need people. We still, we're going to, like last year we had, last semester, last fall, we had like 100 people show up to our ESL and DMV classes, and we need a lot more people who want to help. And so you can do that. You can sign up today for that. You can talk to Melanie. She's here in the front row, my wife. Or you can email her at Melanie at Alpine Church. But I encourage you just to come talk to her after the service. And if, if you want to help, we have uh, three different ESL times where we do classes. And you can do some good deeds that we offer for free just to bless people and help them. with The whole point so that they'll come and know God. They'll experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're starting to see people softened up by just the good deeds that we do in the community. And so if you want to be part of that, if God's tugging on your heart even today to be a part of that, I encourage you to, to follow that leading. And let's, be, let's start a, a new generation of Christians who, we're going to get insulted still, just so you know. We're going to get insulted. We're gonna, I, got, so I start with bad news, I'll end with some bad news. You're going to get insulted still. You're going to get injured still. You're going to get rejected still. Because Jesus said, if they hated you, they're going to hate. If they hated me, they're going to hate you, is what Jesus said. So that's still going to happen, but let's make sure that people are rejecting the message of God's love, not rejecting our own, you know, our own thoughts, our own prejudices, our own beliefs that just come from us. Let's make sure that we give them God's love, because what you'll find is, although some people reject it, so many others will take that offer, and they'll accept it and God will transform their lives. And so let's be people that have grace, not only we, not only are we recipients of grace, not only do we offer that grace to one another, but let's offer that grace in new and powerful ways to the world around us and see what God will do in people's lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you speak to us a message of grace that we need so desperately. And God, will we build our lives on your grace on your righteousness, on your salvation in Christ Jesus. God, forgive us when we have brought our own prejudices, our own um, biases that are unhelpful and even harmful, Lord, and, 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 gotten, and put that in front of the cross for other people. Forgive us of that, God. Help us to just um, share the message that you've given us to draw people, draw all people to yourself, Lord. God, I I pray that we would be people in our community who are known 
for serving, for helping, for grace, Lord? Would we be accepting of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of walks of life and lifestyles and all kinds of just wherever they, however they come, God, may they just come here and find forgiveness at the cross of Jesus Christ and a transformed life. God, would you use us as you want? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.